You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in to another edition of Inside Carolina's Own the Beat Live. I'm Tommy Ashley, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. on the beat and we're going to start on positivity notes tonight we're going to talk about north carolina basketball jeremiah holloway adam smith the sun-kissed duo from the bahamas producer john bowman uh first of all let's let's get that out of the way how how was the trip adam i'll go with you first because uh, i don't see i see a little bit of sun maybe I was expecting a scorched bald head, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, you use the word scorched, T.A. Uh, one night, we did dine on scorched conch. I've got to make sure I pronounce that right so I don't say something that gets me in trouble. Scorched conch. Um, I mean, I, That's I high society. talk about this the rest of the show. It was, it was unreal. I, I don't want to rub it in our loyal audience's face, but if you have the ability to go visit the Bahamas and the Atlantis Resort, I highly recommend it. And the basketball was great. We we loved it. If I don't, if Jeremiah doesn't mind me speaking for him, we we I think we had a great time. Was that a place a uh, hawk pick? Uh, was that was that a restaurant that he picked? I mean, one hundred percent yes. Mm-hmm. Um, was it actually, there on the property? Yeah, actually, uh, the night is was it the night before Jeremiah? Did you get the conch salad? Is that correct? Yeah, I got the conch salad. But the thing is, but the place we went that last night, yeah, because we had to go through the uh, casino to get there, so it was like all in that same like uh, establishment, I guess. Yeah. yeah, it was called Fish Tommy. I don't know if yeah. you went there four years ago. I can't remember. We ate at Carmine's, which is the Italian place, and then I can't remember what we did for Thanksgiving night. But that place. I shout it to the mountaintops. It's expensive, but that place is awesome. And if you're a basketball junkie, oh my gosh, I mean, it is unbelievable. Especially if you're kind of like fanboy or fangirl. The players are everywhere. The coaches are everywhere. You can play in the water park with them. You can see them on the beach. You can get up close and watch basketball. What do you think, Jeremiah? What did you think, Jeremiah, on your first? Long distance trip with this crazy crowd that is inside Carolina. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah, no, nah, it was cool. First of all, it was my um, it was my first time out the country. I will say that, so I was like making sure I don't forget my passport the one time that I need it. Uh, yeah, man, traveling with uh, so I had a little experience traveling, obviously with with Jim and Adam, 
because uh, we had just did the Pittsburgh trip together. Um, and I was we had actually just did Clemson together. Um, and so, yeah, Jim was like he was holding it down. He said that was like his fifth or sixth time out there. Uh, so, you know, he was uh, kind of showing us the road. I was telling Adam, I was like, if we didn't have Jim, like we'd probably be kind of lost in that trip. Like I, you know, very much would have got out that plane or got out that airport logged on to the Uber, tried to get down to wherever, punched in the yeah. address, but they don't do they don't really do that out there. You gotta really like get a ride from like a cab and, and things like that. And it's cool because you actually form a little bit of a relationship with the person that you uh that drives you. So you gotta like hit them up the next time you want to go somewhere kind of thing. So nah it was cool, man. Uh but yeah, it was cool kind of being out there. Uh, you know, good bonding experience, man. Very different, you know, you see in a different part of the world, you know. You get in the car, they're driving on the other side of the road. Like, they actually do that. Like, so yeah, they drive cool. like maniacs. <laughs> that was cool. And then receipts, too. Um, this is just a funny observation. Um, you sign every receipt for, like, everything. Like, obviously, you know, restaurants here, you do that. But, like, I bought, like, a pair of, like, socks, you know, with, like, the Bahamas <laughs> flag on it. And I had to sign the receipt for the pair of socks that I got. So, um, yeah, it was definitely interesting spending uh you know thanksgiving in another country man but uh i enjoyed the trip great basketball like adam said and it was a great experience our yeah. guy uh dustin duke in the chat who we hung out with oh, shoot, yeah. i i see loyalist uh who who uh shared the conk with us and uh interestingly enough ta just to just to wrap it up on that we're going to eat at that restaurant that night uh and who do we see we see none other than Roy Williams mm -hmm. with Harrison Ingram yeah. uh, and another gentleman that I didn't recognize, but it's just, you know, they were going to see Stanford play. So we're going to eat. There's Roy and he is in full Roy tropical mode. Uh, you know, he looked like he had been on the course or the beach or something. Um, and then just the casino aspect of it. I mean, you know, that like it's wild. I mean, it's so funny because, we got a chance to talk to to uh, you know a bunch of different players. Jalen Withers, I talked to after UNC beat Northern Iowa on Wednesday. I said to Jalen Withers, just a, as an icebreaker, you know, you guys have been going to a lot of the water slides. You know, he goes, oh yeah, some of the some of the dudes really love the water slides, but not me. And I said, well, what do you know? What are you doing? And he's like, I like to go to the casino. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, like what's your you know what is your game of choice? And he said the craps table, and he I mean the video's up on on I see YouTube. He's yeah, like it's all on record. He, yeah, he said he said we're five up. Um, I'm not sure what the, the unit of measure five was, but he says it. Go to go to YouTube right now. Yeah. He said we're five up. This was on Wednesday, but it is I mean, a blast, man. I, I'm not going to name any names, but you know. We saw some money lost from people who have money uh, that this audience would know. Um, and, <laughs> I mean, it was it's, it's just an amazing time. We, Jeremiah has heard me say it fifteen times, but we 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 land we land on Tuesday. We take the taxi to the resort. We're out of the taxi five minutes. We're in the lobby. We we have not been there five minutes. Here comes Armando Baycott. He sees us. I mean, from way down across the way. And he's waving his arms and screwing around with us. And uh, he comes up. We're waiting in line to check in. And he's like, y'all ready to have some fun? You know? And like, <laughs> I looked at Jeremiah. I was like, I mean, who else other than Armando to start this off? Like, he's literally the first person we see. 
And, uh, you know, who knows where he was going? He was just making the rounds. What's funny is in 19, he was a freshman. And my kid took a picture with him and Cole Anthony and a couple other guys. No tattoo Armando Baycott. <laughs> just completely clean, young Armando Baycott. But, yes, uh, somebody asked better than Maui. I've never been to Maui. We're supposed to go next year. That's why I bailed on Bahamas this year. And, of course, don't know if they'll have it in Maui. Honolulu wouldn't be a bad deal, but basketball in the Bahamas. People can talk about the ballroom, talk about whatever you want. To be able to see basketball up close like that and big-time games, it's just a cool experience. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, but save up because it is not <laughs> cheap. And it is, uh, woof, you know, you know, you got $10, $11 bottles of water, stuff like that. It's just, $30 pizzas. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, crazy. just go ahead and use your credit card and just forget about it. Pay it off in installments <laughs> if you have to. But let's talk about the basketball a little bit. I thought, uh, I thought you know, we, we talked before on, on these shows that the Bahamas trip would show a little bit about what North Carolina was all about. And now, of course, as the title of the show says, UNC begins a tough stretch with Tennessee tomorrow night. But Jeremiah, Villanova game was a loss. But I don't think it was a loss – in terms of that team grew up a lot that night, and I think it translated against Arkansas the next night. What you see specifically from Carolina um, that, that sort of will play it forward this year, and, and, you know, starting with Tennessee tomorrow night? Well, I think one thing that you can immediately see is just the ability to play, play with physicality. I thought the Villanova game, and to a slightly lesser extent, I will say, the Arkansas game, those are two physical basketball games. Uh, I thought Villanova was, you know, they had the big stocky guards, but UNC did what they could. I think a lot of their guards actually were able to post up Cadeau and RJ Davis a lot, uh, you know, and kind of draw some fouls and things like that. Um, and even against Arkansas, Mark had the game of games, but I mean, even some of those other guys were able to kind of get into post on them a little bit. Uh, so it's something they can at least be on guard for. When we were talking to them today, they were fully expecting to play a physical game tomorrow against uh, against the Volunteers as well. Uh, so I think that's one thing that you can immediately see translate. Um, another thing that just really stuck out to me, um, and I'm not the only person that said this or felt this, but Harrison Ingram really might be the best player on this team. Um, I think R.J. Davis is the best scorer. Uh, he's probably to me, he's probably the guy that you want with the last shot. If it comes down to it, Armando Baycott obviously has played a lot of basketball. He is the all-time lead rebounder. But when you just talk about an all-around game, when you just talk about uh, someone that can go into the post, Adam wrote about his, his post passing. Um, you, someone can go down the post, facilitate, and score down there. Uh, someone who's been efficient on a catch and shoot three. Someone that's a good defender as well uh, and ball handle. Like he's he's somebody, and I think a big difference. This is something UNC didn't have last year. They didn't have a wing player that could just take it and like drive to the rim and just score. Uh, there are plays where obviously, yeah, he can do the catch and shoot three, but there are some plays where he just he just gets to the rim I and mean, he's got a good size on him. He's six seven, he's in the two twenties, he told us. He said he cut down some weight, so he's in the two twenties now. Um, but I thought Harrison Ingram's play really stood out in all three. And they probably win that Villanova game if Harrison Ingram doesn't foul out. He did take some accountability for the technical foul that he picked up because that is actually – that tacked on to his foul total. So that actually got him 
fouled out of the game before overtime started. But if he doesn't foul out, there's a legitimate conversation that UNC walks out of the Bahamas with, you know, the the first ever battle for Atlanta's trophy they ever had. I don't know that. I'm just – we have to think about it. But those are the main takeaways um, for me as I kind of reflect on that time. Adam, let's stay with Harrison Ingram. And I agree. I think he's the best player on the team, certainly the most all-around player. Um, a, a lot of people were – fretted about North Carolina not having a wing that could score for the last several years. Now there's a trade-off because you know who would have been guarding Trayvon Mark, um, but you didn't have that. But when you look at Ingram, Adam, and I think what's interesting, and to build off Jeremiah's point, is he's blended in so well. He's such a – I mean, he's a Stanford guy, so he's above my level of understanding between the ears (laughs) – but his ability to blend himself into the program onto the floor and do everything. And he did something that I have not seen Carolina do in a long time. They ISO'd him and he backed his guy down multiple times. Carolina hadn't done that in recent memory, but other teams love to do it to Carolina. I thought that was a big deal for North Carolina. I, uh, you know, God bless Jeremiah for being so patient because we watch these games. I'm just shouting stuff at him left and right. Like, <laughs> just that I, that, you know, you see and, and, you know, it's just like, but, but to what you're saying there, like the Harrison Ingram post-ups also end of regulation, the play to get Cormac Ryan, the three in the corner mm-hmm. where Armando screened for him. And he got the pass from Cadeau on the opposite side down the baseline. I haven't seen that maybe ever from UNC. There's there's stuff that they are doing. It's been six games. I, I understand. There's stuff that they are doing that I think is brand new. And absolutely, uh, given, given Harrison Ingram one side to work with and saying, look, if you want to take the guy into the post, post him up. You know, the one time he had to spin to the left hand because he's so good with his left hand. Two times he had to whip to the corner to Seth Trimble. Mm-hmm. The spot mm-hmm. up shooting, Seth Trimble. That was a great pass. Yeah, I mean, how about I thought he, I thought he'd thrown it out of bounds. Right, like, um, but yeah, it's it's. I think there's a. I think there are a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this UNC team. I don't think they're going to only lose the Villanova game. I don't think they're going one loss the rest of the way. But um, you know, I think there's a. There, I think there's a lot to like now. Uh, as the show is titled, how about these seven games? Let me, it's, hmm. you go back to the Bahamas, Villanova, Arkansas, Tennessee, Florida State for the ACC opener, UConn in Madison Square Garden, Kentucky in Atlanta, Big Blue Nation, and Oklahoma, who's now in the top 25 poll. I mean, hey, that's a hell of a stretch, is it not? Like, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see the Tennessee game. I do think Tennessee is going to try to rough it up, uh, like they tend to always do with Rick Barnes, um, you know. But I, I'm I'm excited to see that game. I'm excited to see the FCCU game. I'm more than excited to see uh, reigning national champ UConn and UNC get it on in Madison Square Garden next week. It's going to be awesome. Um, but yeah, I think you know, I think for me, one of the things, well. Honest, to be quite honest with you, Harris Ingram to me is better than I thought he was. And I think he has improved. Um, he's obviously changed his body some. He played 40 minutes against Arkansas. 
third game in three days, and he played all 40 minutes. I mean, that speaks to his fitness level, his the trust they have with him. It's not a, you know, it's a deep UNC team. They didn't have to play him 40 minutes. But also there's just the the sort of the leadership component with how how intense he is on the court. I mean, this is a super, super, super smart dude. Uh, this is the type of dude that you'd want to cheat off their paper if you need to look <laughs> around during a test. Um, my dad used to have the old line way back in the day, when in doubt, look about. Uh, you know, that was – he has a million lines. That was one of them. But, you know, he, he when he starts playing, you all have seen it. Like, he, he hits a three, he is screaming. He wheels around, he's screaming to the crowd. He's doing the Carmelo three to the dome. Uh, he got the technical against Villanova. Like there's a there's a tenacity and an intensity to him that I didn't know he had. You know, I, I knew he was a versatile guy. McDonald's All American, but um, this guy wants to win. Cormac Ryan wants to win. Uh, they've been around the block a little bit, and they they there's a question when when they're in Bahamas where uh, Curry Kirkpatrick, the legend, I'm sitting there. Uh, Asked them. He was great to be around him. I enjoy. I, we got to meet him. It was awesome. He asked Cormac and Harrison, "What took you so long to get to UNC?" Um, and you know, they cracked up laughing. They're like, "Well, we're glad we're here now." But like, they. I think those guys really are. And I think that for Armando and RJ, it's refreshing. Um, just who Harrison Ingram and Cormac Ryan and Paxson Wojcik and these guys are. Um, and I'm interested to see what happens. I know that was a rambling response, but I'm interested to see what happens. No, you covered the waterfront, and it, you're absolutely right. Is He plays with a passion. Somebody in the chat said it. They play with a passion that North Carolina hadn't played with in with any consistency in the last several years, and it rubs off. Uh, I mean, Cormac Ryan's intense as hell. He is. He's and, I mean, he, he was doing that on the bench in street clothes. He was being that way. And then you got Ingram playing. You, you know, you mentioned Tennessee game coming up. It is hilarious to me that Rick Barnes comes into the Dean Dome wearing the third different shade of orange, um, you know, with three different orange teams. It's going to be a rough game. I have no problem with Harrison Ingram doing what he did to get that technical because he stood up for one of his teammates, which is another thing that's been lacking. But – to his point, and I heard him say to you guys today, he can't do that uh, in those type games because he needs to be on the floor. But, yeah, this this team, it could not be any different than it was the last couple of years as far as the passion, the intensity, and the depth. And you feel it. You feel it. You really yep. can feel it. Yeah. I want to hit on a, a point here. This is a comment from Michael Daniels, I think. Trimble has improved so much from last year. I think that's one of the key depth pieces that you all are talking about. I mean, Seth Trimble maybe played his best game as a Tar Heel against Arkansas. He had 12 points, made the two three-pointers that we referenced earlier. I was looking up the stats because I was kind of curious about it. Last season, the entire season, uh, Seth Trimble attempted three corner three-pointers, and he made just one of them. So Seth has already eclipsed his number of corner three-pointers that he had last season. I think that represents a huge opportunity uh, for North Carolina as well. If they can get a guy like Seth Tremble, who's that good of a defender, 
and he can also hit a corner three or two or be a little bit more of an asset um, on offense and be kind of kind of become more of a two-way player. I think that's huge for this team because of all that he represents on the defensive end. So that's another big takeaway that I had from the Bahamas trip. Seth Tremble kind of growing into this new role for North Carolina, perhaps being more of a contributor on the offensive end is a huge positive sign for this team. Yeah, certainly. And I think one thing that I would kind of talk with people about uh, before the season started, we're just looking at it. You're just wondering, you know, what is Seth Trimble going to do to truly stay on the court? Because defense is what got him on the court. Um, defense is they, there were times they just needed an extra perimeter defender or somebody like that. And that's really what got him on the court. When they bring in Elliot Cadeau, when they bring in, Cormac Ryan, to a lesser extent, a Paxson Wojcik, someone who, you know, they were giving the green light to shoot. We're sitting there like, well, where does Seth Trimble, you know, fit into this rotation? Uh, and I think some of his performances at the Battle for Atlantis helped him out a lot. You know, I think the two, because he he made two corner threes, but they were corner threes that they really needed. Like, they were threes that, like, extended their lead. I think the first one put them up. Seven or nine. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I think the first one put them up seven, uh, but I can I can go back and double check that. Uh, well, Adam has it right there. So so no, Adam, no, no, I can't no. remember. <laughs> You're talking. I can't remember. Yeah, I think I think that was the one. I think it was fifty-seven to fifty when he made it, and then he made another one that helped them. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, fifty-seven. Yeah, yeah. fifty-five pass to the opposite corner. Yeah, seven for three. Fifty-seven to seventy. UNC. Yeah, yeah. There you go. As Adam reads through his, uh, his high Good memory, Jeff. <laughs> uh, yeah. You nailed the score. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, um, and that helps the guard rotation. One thing that I think is important to point out, too, just real quick, UNC, um, and obviously the important stretches of the game, and I'm not talking about the last five minutes against, you know, Riverside or whoever, it's always one of or both. RJ and Cadeau, those are the point guards. Like, that is who they're going to put out there. So, Seth Trimble, for the function of this team, really is a two. Uh, so, they're going to really need him to knock down some shots uh, when needed. But uh, if he can play defense – and I know Mark just Mark just had the game of game. Mark is bigger than Seth. Mark is like 6'6". Six, six. Um, but if he can continue to, uh, you know, play some good perimeter defense and make shots, I think he's going to have much more of an impact than I think a lot of us thought he would this year. Yeah, Marks was a problem. Dixon was a problem in a different way for Nova. Um, that's the one thing that I find lacking for this team is can one t one player on another team, one or two players on another team, take advantage of some mismatch? Because Cadeau and Davis, we'll be talking about that all year when these teams have big guards. I mean, everybody wants to always talk about Duke. Well, Duke's guards are what? They're like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, so that'll be a thing. Uh Baycott, I'm not sure how you defend somebody like Dixon for Nova when they start doing that because you can't. They're not going to let – unless you flop. Unless you're a flopper, um, you're not going to – you can't really do anything with him. And then Mark was just hot. I, I mean, that guy was making shots all over the court. I did find it interesting. This is one thing they didn't really show, and I wanted to ask you guys since you were there. Baycott didn't touch him when he fell. I mean, Baycott was bailing out of the way, and he hit the floor – it's my understanding that the people in the building, the Arkansas fans, were giving Baycott a ton of grief, Adam. Is that just something, just noise being talked? Or was did everybody think Baycott intentionally fouled the kid? 
What I was think it was on? a confusing thing for us. It was actually the opposite side we were on. We were under the the basket where um, I guess the it was right the UNC basket. the UNC bench uh, for the Arkansas game. Um, you know, we got to Jeremiah and I. We got to know a couple of the guys that come into Arkansas. They were sort of confused by it. like we we were sort of talking to him Friday night afterwards, and I think we all expected him to get up, you know, and then he didn't, and. Heck, the next thing you know, we heard him call him for the EMS, um, you know, when, when they went to get the stretcher. Um, I'm not sure if, if Armando caught any grief on that, but I'm not trying to change the subject. When you, when you mentioned the word flop, I actually – this might sound like a weird idea, but I actually think that Villanova game that UNC should have just at some point flopped because they absolutely went right after Cadeau. When Cadeau went in – uh, when he checked in, they posted him immediately. And they posted R.J. Davis, and they posted Seth Trimble. And these guys, to their credit for UNC, you know, they're chesting up and, like, taking some shots in the chest when these guys backed them down. I mean, we were right there. We had a great vantage point on it. These guys were getting hit. And what they were doing was they were holding their ground or trying to hold their ground. I feel like if one of those dudes for UNC had just sort of, you know, tried to sell it, like Harrison Ingram's fifth foul uh, that he got in the Villanova game, you try to sell it a little bit, get it in the referee's mind, then maybe they're not pounding you in the freaking chest, uh, backing you down like it's 1990s NBA here. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I never felt like Cadeau or UNC smaller guards like really said, you know, gave one of those to be like, hey, ref, by the way, he's initiating the contact. I mean, they you might get it technical if you do that. Though. That's the thing, and Jordan mentioned it in the chat. There, I, with the new charge rules, especially, I don't know how you're supposed to defend somebody to do that, which is why it was effective for Harrison Ingram to do it. But, but Carolina doesn't really have anybody outside of Ingram that can do it that way. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how you defend that in basketball this year with, with the tech rules, the yeah. flop rules. And with the charge rules, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch all year. And uh, somebody in the chat said, Cadeau's got to learn how to not get those silly fouls. Uh, I mean, that's another thing. He he was – and he took a shot in the face and still picked up a foul. I mean, he fouled the man's elbow with his jaw. And, it was a uh, super physical game. I mean, that yeah. was a man's game. Those those Nova dudes, TJ Bamba, Justin Moore, those, those dudes got some freaking bodies, not right. to mention Eric Dixon. But, I mean, you see TJ – how in the world did TJ Bomba go from the Bronx to Washington State? Like, how does that even happen? That dude has got a freaking body on him. I mean, yeah. he looks like – I mean, anyway, I'll, I'll be quiet. <laughs> no, I mean, the physicality of the game is going to be ramped up. Tennessee is going to bring that same type of thing. That's one reason I like this North Carolina team so much better than I liked them last year and the year before is because they have that physicality, and Ingram, I think, leads that. Cormac Ryan leads that when he can stay on the court. I mean, I've never seen anybody manage to spring both ankles on the same play. And, Jeremiah, just for people asking in the chat earlier, Hubert gave a little bit, or, or I guess you can call it an update on Ryan. Sounds like he's still be he's still up in the air as far as Tennessee, right? Yeah, it's still up in there. I thought it was interesting um, when he was telling us on, oh, man, what day was that? That must This must have been the last day of the tournament. This must be on Friday. Um, yeah. When Hubert was saying 
Cormac wanted to play against Arkansas. Obviously, he's a basketball player. Of course, he wants to play. Um, but he was saying that he was like very emotional about it and like very upset that he couldn't play. And me and Adam were just like, I think we we're talking about today. We're just like, just imagine what he was doing. Like, actually, doing this is a guy that has punted basketballs in practice. And you see how fired up he gets on the court as well. Um, and Harrison Ingram described him as a very like intense like person. So I, I do really wonder. If, you know, what if you're like a fly on the wall, you know, when Cormac gets the news of, hey, we're going to sit you today. I will say that um, Cormac didn't feel that he could cut the same way that he could cut uh, like in a normal game. So I think part of it was a judgment call on Cormac's part. I think it was really a thing of Cormac knew he wasn't in shape to play. Um, but you have to imagine that if he does get back to that condition, they're going to roll them out there as soon as they can. Now we'll say you do have to kind of think about the physicality that, you know, Tennessee is going to play with. And do you want to put a guy out there that's not close to a hundred percent, you know, in that type of game, because they're going to have to, I mean, you're going to have to play defense in a game like that. Um, so I don't know that this is the time to put him out there if he's not, you know, fully healthy and, and, and things like that. I mean, the injury did look, uh, you know, pretty, pretty legitimate, um, but they're going to try to – they tried to give it a go today. Um, so um, he's pretty much TVD, but we shall see, um, you know, if he returns to the lineup or if he's on the minutes restriction or or anything like that. It could be start number two for Elliot Cadeau unless they want to put Trimble in there. So I'm very interested to see. And that does kind of bring me up a point that I'm not going to flush out right now. But UNC did use three different starting lineups every day in the Battle for Atlanta. So I did think that was an interesting thing that came out of the trip. Anything else that you guys observed or, or saw from the play? And, uh, you know, we mentioned Trimble. One guy we didn't talk about, Jalen Washington. Uh, I mean, yeah, he looks pretty good. Somebody said he's shooting, what, 91% from the field. Uh, I mean, he, he is – if he stays healthy and he's in shape, um, he, he's got the ability to hold some more minutes. Adam, what would you think of, of the big fella? They're getting some stuff out of him. You know what I mean? Like, um, they're getting some stuff out of it. They, he's, he's, you know, coming off the bench and doing something. I think that's been a Hubert thing where, you know, I need you to contribute when you get in there. Um, and, you know, he's a year older and he's a year better. And as we all know, he, he had the offseason this year not to have to rehab. He's been rehabbing forever um, from all those knee injuries and the knee surgeries um, and then the surgeries to clean up the problems and, um, but they've, they're getting some stuff out of him. I mean, they've got, you know, when they go to the bench, it's interesting to see who they're going to bring in because you're not sure. Like as Jeremiah mentioned, think about this. That's this. Now it's four different starting lineups the last four games. I mean, I don't think it's anything crazy, but you know, uh, Hubert is changing his lineup, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I mean, that's, it's something interesting. And, and, and they do, they get, they're getting stuff from guys. You know, I mean, Seth Trimble, that was a career high for the guy. 12 mm-hmm. points is like 30. 12 points to Seth Trimble is like 30 to some other people. Um, but, yeah, Jalen Washington, you know, he's – I feel like Jalen Washington's drawing more fouls too. I don't know if there's any yeah. stats that you would have that would bear that out, John. Probably not. But I feel like he's been active enough and around the ball enough to where he's just drawing more fouls and going to the line and – um, I, I noticed that my guy David Helton in the chat earlier, I was scrolling. Um, he mentioned being uh 
Barnes's Rick Barnes's Clemson team that finished the game at the Dean Dome with only four. Mm-hmm. I was there that night. Were you I there? Was, that night? Yep, I was there, and he was pissed too, son. Rick Barnes was on fire that game. It's like and something it, out of a movie. Everyone fouls out, and we're going to play four guys. You know, <laughs> uh, I was in the upper deck that night as a student uh, way back in the day, um, but that was hilarious. Well, quick, they, uh, uh, quick follow there on, on Jalen Washington. I actually was looking at that, Adam. Fouls drawn per 40 minutes is a stat on Ken Palm. Uh, this year, uh, Jalen Washington, 8.1 fouls drawn per 40. Last year, it was 4.6. Wow. Um, he also right. has the highest yeah. offensive yeah. rating on the team. So uh, really? more Jalen Washington, I think, uh, would be a good thing for UNC. I think what's, in short what's Baycott? What's Baycott number? Let me on those a quick, quick look. Uh, Armando Baycott's fouls drawn per 40, 5.5, which is actually still a very good number. So it just shows Jalen Washington's number uh, in a small sample size it is very good. No free throw attempts against Villanova for Armando Baycott. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about size and guards. So Dalton Connect, 6-6 for Tennessee. He's a player. Vescovi, who's been there for 17 years, he's 6'3". I think their other guard, the other starting guard for them is, uh, what's his name? It's not Ziegler. Ziegler's the smallest guard they have. It's uh, Josiah Jordan. Injury too, uh, Zakai Ziegler, who he ate them up at, at the Mohegan Sun a couple years ago, but he is, it was either an ACL or an Achilles. It was a really yeah. bad, you know, major injury that, I think he's still not fully up to speed, Ziggler. Josiah Jordan James is six seven. Yeah, he's a Ford. And a, he, he went to high school. Got him school Pax, I mean, he went to high school at Paxson Woge in Charleston. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. He is uh, an old guy, too. So Tennessee's going to challenge the size in the guard position. I think Seth Trimble becomes uh, a relevant player. And I do like what Drew said here. I don't I don't know. It'll be interesting to track this through the season to see if Hubert does this and see if they can <clears throat> have starting lineups that are matchup-based. You know, I've always said it doesn't matter who starts. It matters who finishes. But at times, and you kind of saw it in the Arkansas game, you don't want a guy to go off early because if some guy goes off early, then you might be in trouble the rest of the game. And and I thought that we saw some of that. Anything left on the basketball side? Um, you know, Tennessee, Florida State. I mean, what a schedule North Carolina has here. I'll, I'll freely admit I'm going to watch Duke at Arkansas and, and see 
how that matchup goes. Um, what a doubleheader. UNC, Tennessee. How'd you like to be Arkansas playing Carolina and Duke back-to-back? <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty impressive. That's one cool thing about the SEC, ACC Challenge is get to see some different matchups. Do you realize, and I, I this is an aside, but this is the first time Duke's played an SEC school away from Cameron on their home floor since 1992 when Leitner beat Shaquille O'Neal down there. No, I had no idea. Oh, my God. 31 years since Duke has played at an SEC school in their home arena. That is And to nuts. Sean Crowley's comment in the chat, Sean, uh, when we when we were there in the Bahamas, we saw a dude wearing a Scotty Thurman jersey. Uh, <laughs> Sean mentions Duke versus Arkansas rematch of the '94 title game. Uh, my man had, I mean, he, I mean, he was really ripped too. Like he had been to the weight. <laughs> like I would look awful as a forty-something-year-old male. Uh, I would look awful, but it was Scotty Thurman, and I was thinking, what, what was it? The shot over Antonio Lang, mm-hmm. I think, right? Like the yeah. high. High finish because Tony Lang was out there on him. The wing uh, three, very similar. Charlotte, wasn't that Charlotte final yep. four, I believe? 94. Yep. It was. Um, 40 minutes of hell. Somebody mentioned Nolan Richardson in the chat. That was when Arkansas was trouble, trouble. Of course, we know what happened in 95. That game still makes me mad. <laughs> Where uh, Stackhouse and Rashid lost to Arkansas. Big yeah. boy for uh, – Arkansas threw one in at halftime. I was like, this game's over. Stewart, his name is Chubby Guy. I think his last name is Stewart. White Stewart. Yeah, that's right. He was Stewart. I can't remember his first name, but he threw it in from half, and I was like, you got to be kidding. He shot it like that. Like, he he didn't have, like, the traditional shot. He just, like, yeah. It's going to be a long day. I'm going to take a break, talk about Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. You know what? No, I'm not. I'm going to let John do it. Oh. I was ready. Excellent. I was ready for it, Tommy. <laughs> First of all, I want to give a quick shout out, 197 people watching tonight. We're seeing some new names in the chat as well. Clint Moses, Hatim, Abdallah, Tarheel Paul, a few new names. So we, we want to give a shout out uh, to some of our new listeners along with people like Sean who are here every single night. I want to talk to you about Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com real quick. The holidays are coming up. Uh, it's time to send out your Christmas lists. Grandma's asking you, what do you want for Christmas? You can send her a link to Johnny T-shirt and say, I would like some new Tar Heel gear. Check them out on Franklin Street if you're in town for a UNC basketball game later this month. Or check them out online, johnnytshirt.com. Inside Carolina Premium subscribers get a 10% discount, so be sure to use that at checkout. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Let the national guys pay the bills, as Tommy likes to say. Uh, We're going to be back in just a second with some Carolina football talk. All right, guys, we're back. We're on the beat. Here's the challenge for folks. I want to see everybody smash that like button. We've got 195 in the chat right now. We need to have 195 likes plus. And also, is this true? I need to research this while y'all are talking. I know Sean Taylor's daughter plays volleyball or supposed to play volleyball at Carolina. Um, but Scotty Thurman's daughter, maybe we're mixing up names. I'm going to research it as I ask the next question. Let's talk about, oh, yeah, and y'all didn't even notice my – was talking about dogs. <laughs> you know, Carolina needs some dogs. Well, dogs are people too. Tommy, uh, do you have a dog? I do. I didn't I have, know that. I have a black lab that's 12 and a half years old, so he's on his 
um, on his downturn, but I took a picture of him this morning. He sits out in front of the porch waiting for UPS, FedEx, Amazon. You bring it. You better come with it quick, and you better have some moves or you're going to get snapped. <laughs> and his name is Ram, and I did not name him. He was like that when we rescued him 12 years ago. Anyway, let's talk about football. Carolina basketball, of course, with Tennessee. Carolina football is in the news always. Adam, did you miss Carolina football while you were in the Bahamas? Y'all certainly missed. I tell you what, I was in Reynolds, or not Reynolds, Carter Finley on Saturday. And I've seen a lot of bad football for North Carolina over the years. That was about as bad as it gets. You know, it's been worse. I get Don't hit me up and talk about Navy and – 1988, Mac 1.0, 1.0, but Jesus, Adam, 39 to 20 against the NC State team. I don't know what else to say about that. So since y'all haven't talked about it on here, I'm going to let you and Jeremiah try to figure out what the heck is going on in the KFC. I can always depend on my my guy, George Jenkins, who I believe that's accurate. Bahamas – greater than signed Carter Finley. <laughs> uh, <laughs> By a little bit. Just, yeah, just, yeah, it's a photo finish on that one. Um, you know, to paint you the picture, um, you know, so we're, we're coming back. We left out of, we left out of Bahamas on uh, Saturday at, at one twenty-two, I believe the flight was. And we got into Atlanta, you know, a, a nice time, but for whatever reason, we had like a four hour layover in Atlanta. And so, we're taking off to get into Raleigh right about when that game's kicking off. Uh, so we're, you know, we're taking off and we couldn't get the ACC network on the plane. You know, it, it, we, people were watching uh, Georgia Tech, Georgia, Florida, Florida State, couldn't get the ACC network. So as soon as we land, you know, I'm firing the phone up uh, and, you know, I, we're all sitting right there together, like the, the good IC family that we are. And uh, my, my best friend, Jim Hawkins, the legendary photographer, looks right at me and uh, he gives me this look like, well, you know, he doesn't say anything, but it's like, and I just said, Jim, you don't want to know. Uh, <laughs> and it was only 13. I, that's what I said. And he was, and he had had the best week ever. And he just was so beaten when I said that. I hadn't even told him what had happened. I just said, Jim, you don't want to know. And at that point, it was only 13 nothing. Uh, it was early third. It was early second quarter. I saw that Drake had completed one pass for three yards to John Copenhaver. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've obviously watched the game since then, and you know, I had a feeling. This is classic hindsight from a nerdy sports writer, right? I had a feeling it might not go great for UNC, just given the fact that you had the double overtime game against Duke, where they poured it all out. You had the Clemson game where, I mean, they had every right to at least have a commanding lead. I don't know if they would have won the game, but they really could have put Clemson behind the eight ball, uh, if not for those fumbles. And then, I don't know, I just got the feeling like they weren't going to be as up for this as they needed to be. I don't know why. And that and UNC is NC State's Super Bowl. And NC State has been playing well. They had won four games going mm-hmm. into UNC. So I, I didn't think it would be like what we saw uh, to that degree, but I thought UNC might be in trouble. I mean, I knew you knew they were going to be fired up over there. Uh, they want to beat state. They state wants to beat UNC badly. I think UNC needs to get there 
uh, that level of distaste that, that the Wolfpack has for UNC. But I don't know about Jeremiah's thoughts, but you know, I thought they got pushed around up front. From Deesh, that that's an understatement. I, but like, how does that happen? I, I understand. I don't know if anybody's got a comment on this, but like, I understand that people are pissed and they're mad at Mac and they hate Gene Chizik and all that. I got, I understand that. Uh, but my God, like, they're not the ones out there like getting manhandled on the line. Like, you know, there was one of those concept Kevin Concepcion runs, you know, where they motioned him into the backfield, handed it off to him. He didn't get touched. Like he, I think he had a 15, 17 yard game. The guy did not get touched by a UNC defender. I think Miles Murphy was going the wrong way on that one. Somehow he got turned around and he's like, I don't know what the hell he was doing. Um, but that that play in particular, they had blown UNC so far off the ball. And he, I mean, he the, the, no one touched him. I think they ran him out of bounds. And that's how the play ended. Um so I'm there's not no more, there's no more bodies left for him to jump over, um. So yeah. he just veered out of bounds. I mean, if y'all haven't watched it, if you're watching this and you're in the chat and you haven't watched another reason to be an Inside Carolina premium subscriber, if you haven't watched Jason Staples' film breakdown of that play, <laughs> oh, has he has he got one of those? Oh man, that's unbelievable. It is yeah, okay. Well, I'm it, to it, it is then. Um, to 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 not pick on one player, um, at you know at all, but just. Like we said on the day after, a total program loss from everybody. I mean, people were even going after the cleats and everything. Yeah. I mean, it. I just can't believe, and Jeremiah, you can get in here because you, you covered South Carolina for one season. So you mm -hmm. know about these rivalries, but, but you're also a North Carolina person as well. Yeah. I can't believe that they showed up that way. And, and Adam, to your point, you could say the coaching sucks. I get it. Everybody says that. But have some pride when you go out there, man. I mean, those guys were abusing Carolina players. And it wasn't even it wasn't even close. Thirty nine to twenty was that could have been fifty. And we can get into what Dave Doran said, and I don't blame him. And I would talk until they shut me up. I do blame uh, Dave Doran for one thing he said, but I will let you guys continue. I well, couldn't he, believe some of the stuff he said, but go ahead. <laughs> he shouldn't have called other college athletes pieces of you-know-what. How do you get away with that? Uh, how, how uh, state, you, you can't do that, but as far as beating the boys in baby blue and all that other yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's what I meant. I meant the pieces of SHIT. Yeah, like, I mean, that, that's, that, he shows you who he is there, but that is right in their wheelhouse. And as far as I'm concerned, you got to shut him up because they're not going to shut him up. But anyway. If a UNC coach, if Roy Williams or Hubert Davis or Mac Brown or Larry Fedora or whoever said that about an NC State team, hell, if the UNC volleyball coach said that about NC State volleyball, they would go freaking nuts yeah. over there in Raleigh. I mean, I can't believe that it's like not a bigger thing. I have half a mind to – the next time that we're at like the ACC football media day to ask him a question about that. Like that I know it'll epic. be months afterward, but I just can't, I can't believe the guy's getting a pass on that for calling. I, I just can't believe it. I can't believe he's getting a pass on that. It's you remember what you remember what you remember how big of a stink it was when Matt Darty, what he said about Duke cheerleaders right. in the huddle. Duke cheerleaders are still ugly. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Bad or and, whatever it And was. people still talk about that 22 years later. Anyway, Jeremiah, your thoughts on, on what you saw later Saturday? Yeah, shout out to Tim Crothers for the Matt Doherty. I think he actually was the one that uh, – he's my one of my professors my senior year. I think he had told me about the Matt Doherty. But, yeah, no um, – First of all, I want to give Adam credit. I remember when uh, we were, uh, I think we were about to board the plane or something. Uh, he actually did say, like, I have a feeling that North Carolina State's going to go ahead and win this game. Um, I guess while we're on the topic of, of getting credit, there was a certain individual on this uh, call that predicted that North Carolina was going to finish 8-4 and four in the regular season. Um, and, I, and I guess we saw that turned out. Uh, there, were two there were two. Um, the young bucks, <laughs> the guys were way wrong. We did not. It was not looking like that, you know, the first half of the season. But that's how it uh, ended up turning out. But I think Saturday was a reason why. Like I, that team, I think sometimes just loses like sight of the moment at times. Um, and it's not as much in in-week preparation. Well, this week it was. I couldn't believe that they practiced without pads. I, I still can't believe that. Yeah. I really don't know what's crazier. Practicing for a rivalry game without pads or admitting that you practiced a rivalry yeah. week without freely admitting it. Um, I was very surprised by that. Um, I understand the injury aspect, but I mean – there's so many layers to it because then it's like, well, okay, you have injuries, you're banged up, but what about your depth? Like, you know, who are you getting, you know, in the deeper parts of the depth chart to be able to be physical and play? Like, you know, I'm not saying they have to be, I mean, you know, there's only one Elijah Huzzy on that team. I'm, we're not saying just stick somebody in there and he's Elijah Huzzy. But I mean, still, I, I, I thought that was unbelievable. I, I still can't wrap my mind around that. Um, and yeah, when you go back and look at that game, I did have a chance to watch the second half live. North Carolina State, they just had they just had control of the of the entire game. It did not ever seem at one point that UNC could make that game any better. Um, the whole just I mean you and then watching the post game, it just that didn't really seem like a team that was fully engaged. Um, I think part of that, you know, you you lose the two games in the middle of the year, effectively eliminating you from the ACC championship race. Uh, the Clemson game, I, I think even if they would have won that, they still might have been eliminated anyway. So I think it was just harder for them, even though it was a rivalry game. Um, and I'm not just talking about the players, I, I, the coaches as well. I mean, it's just what does that game do as much for you? I know Mac will talk a lot about, you know, when people ask about your time in North Carolina, they want to know how many times you beat State and Duke. Well, I don't know. I, I it, it just it just kind of didn't connect with me. Just kind of the their approach to that game versus how they've kind of talked about how important that game is in the past, and they put the flag on your field the year before, and then the next year they beat you by I, I don't even remember the final score. I'll be honest with you, um, but it wasn't obviously wasn't a close score. Uh, you know, I don't. I mean, you don't. You don't score 30 points. It, it just uh, – yeah. So, for that game to transpire how it did, um, I think that's just a stark contrast from the team we saw middle of October against Miami. I, I just don't even recognize – there's, like, no – there's, like, no shred of that team left. Like, it's 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 kind of it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and, I mean, it's, it's tough to put it into words to understand what's happened, but it's the third year in a row 
that they've melted down at the end. Uh, I mean, 2021 was not a good season, but they still melted down at the end of that one, if you go back and look at it. And that culminated in the South Carolina Bowl game, which was just about like this North Carolina State game here. And then last year, we know about that. And, and Adam, one thing, I want to get your take here. And I know we cover these guys. We talk to them, you know, all the time. But we're remiss if we don't. I want to ask you about a comment. Jason Staples talked about the, the Mac Brown and what he's done. He's elevated the program, right? He's raised the floor of the program without question. People can say whatever you want about 17 and 18. The bottom line is they won two and three games those years. And that's all that matters. So North Carolina is winning seven, eight, nine ball games now. So the floor has been significantly raised. But one thing about it is is he hasn't raised the ceiling. He's talked about raising the ceiling. But I'll tell you a comment, Adam, and this is your take from covering it for a long time. He said eight and four is pretty good around here. As if people should be happy about that. And he said that a lot in press conferences. Yeah. I just yeah. That is what has seemed to grind the fan base the worst of anything. And you say it after NC State beats you 39-20. to Just your thoughts there. I don't want to put you on the spot, but just your thoughts on that. No, it's okay. And Well, I think that uh, when you start 6-0 and and when you start 9-1, um, you know, like you should be reaching for more. I mean – the one of the mantras for this season was nine isn't enough um, because, you know, nine wins didn't take them where they wanted to be last season. Uh, and, and yes, they got to the ACC championship game last year. They, they won a division title. Um, but yeah, the, some of the messaging um, from Mac, uh, I, I think has not been great. Um, I understand that historically, UNC is not Notre Dame historically or Southern Cal or whoever, Alabama. I, I you know, I get that. Um, but I mean, my God, when you're six and oh, and you've got Virginia and Georgia Tech, uh, and is it Campbell? Yeah, Campbell, Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Campbell sitting between you and nine and oh, taking to the home stretch of the season, you should be nine and oh. Um, you know, a one-win Virginia team, a Georgia Tech team that got spanked by Boston College at home. Uh, both uh, both games, you're up double figures in the second half. Georgia Tech, you're up 11 in the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, dude, you know, if not for Campbell and if not for Noah Burnett's stones mm-hmm. against Duke and Drake May, I mean, how magical were some of those plays he made against Duke? Uh, if not for that, I mean, this thing would be worse than it is, and it's already not great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the messaging, I, I, I understand where Max coming from. Eight wins is a successful season. If you're just talking about it in a vacuum, you're like, sure, eight wins, a good season. Um, but you know, it falls on deaf ears, and I, maybe it doesn't fall on deaf ears. Maybe it falls on pissed off ears when you tell someone that after you've just got it handed to you by your rival who is barking, you know, all over the state capital of North Carolina because they've earned the right to bark. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think the messaging there 
is an issue. I don't, I, you know, I think that's, that's, that's not great. And I, I just think that something, I don't know, in the Virginia and Georgia Tech games broke this team because as it turns out, South Carolina's not that great. Syracuse is terrible. Minnesota sucks. <laughs> like all these teams they beat in the early season aren't that great, but you know, they dominated Syracuse the way you should dominate a team that you're better than. Their third quarter against Miami was amazing. Um, you know, that that night, I thought UNC, that night they beat Miami to go to 6-0, and and I know it was 41-31 final, but the way they did it in the third quarter they had, I thought this is a different UNC team. This is different. You know, they made the adjustments. They responded. I thought it was a high-level game with a lot of athletes out there. Tez Walker <laughs> looks just nasty. He was open yeah. every play. Yeah, like I just I I thought that night to me I was like, this is a different UNC team. And then what happened? They came out. They talked about not eating the cheese. I'm not sure why that motivational ploy was ever even used. Um, and that something something against Virginia. They got to a certain point against UVA, where it's like an NCAA tournament game of basketball. And the team that ain't supposed to be anywhere near competing with the better-seeded team is hitting some threes. And that higher-seeded team is getting tight. And they realized in that second half against UVA, oh, crap, we're about to lose our perfect record here. And they still had chances to respond, and they were not able to do it. And it's some, I'm telling you, something broke there that night, and they haven't been able to get it back. And they knew going into Georgia Tech the next week, we have to win this game. To, to keep this season that we want to have. We have to win this game. And after that, you know, uh, it's been a little downhill. But, um, yeah, man, like when you're 6-0, and um, eight isn't good enough. You know, when you have a chance to have, like, one of the greater seasons you've had in your school history and, and go back to the ACC championship game and, you know, be a player in the college football playoff. And the sad, the th- what sucks about it is Drake May's done. You know, I don't know if he plays in the bowl game. Cedric Gray's done. He ain't playing in the bowl game. Um, not from what we've heard. So, I mean, you know, these are two great players never going to see again. If Drake May doesn't play in the bowl game, they're going to roll Connor Harrell out there, I guess. And I don't know what the hell happens then. Um, you know, you could be looking at eight and five, you know, if you're playing Tennessee in the Gator Bowl. So, you know, I know I've taken that a lot of different ways, but yeah, man, I mean, I can understand why people are pissed. Um, now I don't think you can go fire the entire building. Maybe you can, but, um, yeah, I think y'all hit it on the head when you're talking about a total failure. Um, this was a total failure the other night and it was jarring. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't know how you get it back other than you try, you know, I don't know how you scrape it together to get it going for the bowl game, but, um, that'll be one we point back on, you know, when we're, when we're taking stock of Mac 2.0, I think. You made a great point about the three point shooter and all. I contend that it started against Miami, um, at the end where they were Mm -hmm. up 41, whatever they were, what was it? 41, 41, 17. 41-17, and then ended up 41-31. Um, and then, it, of course, snowballed from there. But you're right about the messaging. And this is something that I harped on last year. 
when I kept asking, you're nine and one, there's so much more out there. And, you know, but we're going to the ACC championship yeah. game. We're going this, blah, blah, blah. And then it repeats itself. That's the troubling thing is that it's repeated itself again. And the messaging has just been totally off. The selling, and I've said a million times, it's not the despair that gets people. It's the hope. You sell hope and then it doesn't come through. It's worse than selling doom and gloom. Because if you sell doom and gloom, then people say, well, hell, we got what we thought we were getting. And here they are with the hope. And to your last point, and I'm going to turn it over to John for his message, um, I don't know how you cobble it back together in the current form. I just don't know how that happens. Now, Drew in the chat has asked it multiple times. Did Mac Brown or the best two quarterbacks in school history raise the floor? Mac Brown's responsible for those guys playing there. Yeah. Uh, you know, did they raise it in spite of Mac Brown? You can debate that. But they're not there. There's some debate about, over Howell, but they're not there um, without Mac Brown. Regardless, the floor's been raised. Next year, the schedule is weak. Six games at a bare minimum should be given wins um, unless they're just complete tanking but anyway i digress but i good luck building that one back you know i've heard build back better good luck it's gonna be a tough <laughs> tough thing john what you got i i i think your comments tommy are a perfect lead in to some of my thoughts around this because i think in the post nc state game jumble and consternation among the fan base i think different answers uh, are kind of getting muddied together to different questions. So I think to provide some clarity here, I think there are three distinct questions for the UNC football program moving forward. I think number one, you have to call out the fact that no one from a fan base perspective is satisfied after eight wins. I think you have to understand why are people upset after eight wins? I think that's question number one. Question number two is there's a internal look in the mirror for UNC football can UNC do better from a coaching hire perspective than Mac Brown? Or does Mac Brown 2.0 represent some sort of pinnacle, like he was the best they could have gotten in 2019, and he's still the best they could have right now? And I think the third question is, where does the UNC football program go from here? Both from a short-term perspective, Tommy, like you said, how do they build this thing back together? But also from a long-term perspective, what does UNC football look like in the era of conference alignment and potentially two power five conference, two power conferences if UNC is still in the ACC? So I think there's three distinct questions there. I do want to answer the first one a little bit more because I really want to hone in on that. I think that's important. Why is no one satisfied after eight wins? And I think to me, it gets back to sort of my thesis around coaching hires. I think there's all a bunch of noise at press conferences, but really you could just ask one question of every coach. You could say, why is tomorrow for the football program going to be better than today? Or why is it going to be better than it has been in the past? And I think Mac Brown at this point in his UNC tenure is struggling to answer that question of why it's going to be better in the future than it has been already. Because all the fans understand that Sam Howell and Drake May are the two best quarterbacks that UNC might have in a while. They're the best five-year stretch of quarterbacks that they have. 
And then the recruiting has kind of returned to where it was before. The defense obviously is not making any progress. Coaching and player development has been a consistent struggle for this UNC team. Um, you know, you could potentially say NIL is, is getting better than it than it has been in the past. But I think that's Mac Brown's biggest challenge. He's having a trouble selling the story of why the football program under his view is going to be better in the future than it is right now. Uh, that's a lot of good questions there. I think people are mad about eight wins, and I put it in the chat because the floor has been raised. You know, I've said – a million times, another one of my sayings is North Carolina's an eight-win program. That's been the – I've always thought, and I've followed this stuff for 50 years plus, I've always thought if Carolina won eight games a year with the chance every two or three years to win 10 or 11 and the floor of six, everybody would be happy. And for the most part, people have been happy until now. But why are people not happy, John, to your point? is that the hope was sold that this was different, that Sam Howell and Drake May would lead them to the promised land. And are they wasted? Have they been wasted? I don't know. Sam Howell's a pretty damn good NFL quarterback now, so I think he got a – you know, he should have been drafted higher, but he's done well in the NFL and probably going to do well forever. And Drake May may well be first pick in the draft, though. I'm not sure I'd want to go to Chicago. You couldn't pay me to go to Chicago unless, well, forty million you could. <laughs> but uh, but but anyway, there's just so much going on and so much, and people asking about Max Johnson and the crystal ball for Max Johnson, the 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 quarterback from Texas A&M. I don't know how he'll be. You know, I have no idea how he'll be. I've Brennan Armstrong was great at Virginia until he wasn't. Then he comes to state and he stunk, and then he got great again and torched Carolina and led them to five wins, three of five wins. You know, I don't – you can never say how something will work out. Can't they get somebody better than that dude, though? You would think. I mean, but who's I, better and who goes to Carolina? I don't know. Somebody's got to be better than him. I mean – Yeah. I mean, uh, Jeremiah, get in here and talk some sense to us before we get out of here. We're well over an hour. And, well, then, uh, and until, yeah. they, until they get – where somehow they get studs on the defensive line. Yeah. You can you can you can smoke and mirror the offensive line. I mean Amari and Hampton run for fifteen hundred yards behind an offensive line that couldn't protect Drake to save their lives. By the um, way, that's somebody we should watch this offseason. Because right. they're gonna have to pony up the NIL to, I think for Amarion. I think where you had to, you know, pay Drake last year, even though Drake took a pay cut to stay at UNC, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to have the one saving grace there is that uh, running backs are not as valuable as quarterbacks, not in the league, not in the, not in, in college, but we'll see. I've said, I'm on record saying another thing. If, uh, if, um, my child was offered four or $5 million to go play at Ohio state, roll Buckeyes, you know, <laughs> but uh, Marion's a local kid too, so we'll see what happens. But anyway, Jeremiah, get in here. We're ranting and we're rum- rambling. <laughs> yeah. What you um, got? One thing that me and Evan were kind of talking about because you guys brought up the the offensive line. Uh, 
me and Evan today at the uh, the press conference, and I guess we have to call him intern Evan. I don't know. Uh, I feel like that's always how we refer to him. Uh, but UNC, as far as quarterback, I'm talking about this year's team. Uh, as far as quarterback and skill position, like they can compete with anybody. Like if you have, I mean, any team. Like it's not a lot of teams in the in really in college football that have a better like layout than Drake May, Amari Hampton, Tez Walker, Bryson Nesbitt. These are like all ACC guys throwing JJ Jones and K- uh, Kobe Pacer when he's healthy. Like any team in the country takes that. Like you know, but I think the difference comes in, you know, obviously up front. You know, they have. Some guys that are pretty solid and then other guys that are pretty inconsistent. Um, I think on defense, it's probably the same thing. I think the defensive, you know, upfront guys are, you know, better. I guess if you wanted to say, if you wanted to, you know, value or whatever, um, I think they're, they're probably a little bit better. They're not great as a unit, but I think they're probably more like guys up there. Um, and then the secondary is a little bit, uh, I mean, I like Marcus Allen. I think he's a good player. Obviously, Huzzy's a playmaker. Everybody else is kind of, you know, hit or miss and and things like that. But anyway, point being, uh, they have guys like on the perimeter offensively that can challenge anybody. But I think really, you know, a lot of what ends up getting lost is, you know, when Drake doesn't have the time to throw, uh, you know, and some of these. I mean, we saw against Clemson and North Carolina State. I mean, Tez Walker, it was harder for him to, you know, kind of get free. So even if Drake did have the time to improvise, you know, for whatever reason, the the game plans just just were there. I don't know. I just I just don't know what you do, you know, moving forward. Like, you know, if if the Max Johnson guy does kind of come in and you're not able to keep Hampton, I mean, you're I mean, that probably for Chip Lindsay, that probably affects some of the stuff you can even call. Like, you know, it's just like, it just really changes uh, life on your offense. Cause I think kind of the state of the line, some of those guys still developing, like you did need a guy like Drake that can move around a little bit to buy some time and be creative and just have the football IQ. Um, But if you don't have a guy that can do that and you don't have a running back that can, you know, absorb the, I don't know that Amari Hampton's leaving. I don't know that. Uh, but if if he did leave, I mean, what is what does this offense do? What is what is the identity there? Terrifying. <laughs> oh, you're muted, Tommy. It's going to be an inf- interesting off season. Of course, there is no off season, and uh, you know we always call basketball and football crossover season when they're together. And football season is relatively over, and then it's going to heat up even more. Um, might not be games to cover, but there'll be plenty of North Carolina football news. Let me take a second before we get out of here to talk about Congruity. They're, of course, the second sponsor of our Inside Carolina podcast, and they're a national-based or North Carolina-based national uh, brand, and they've they've built themselves up on the basis of what they do. And what they do is they handle HR and payroll outsourcing for small and mid-sized businesses. So if you're a business owner here, do me a favor. I ask you to smash the like button a lot. Um, but go to congruityhr.com slash tarheels, fill out their questionnaire, um, do the form. They'll set you up with a consultant and see if they can help your small business. They've got top of the line technology. They've got great customer service. That's a big deal, folks. Uh, customer service is where it's at. I will spend whatever kind of money you want me to spend if you're just nice to me and act like you care. 
and congruity doesn't just act like they care. They base their whole company on caring for your small business. So it's congruityhr.com front slash Tar Heels forward slash front slash the diagonal, whatever you want to call it, Tar Heels. Let Darren and Matt take care of you. Their team will provide a personalized local experience straight from the Tar Heels state. It's been fun. It, you know, I always like when we get together. Um, but just so people will understand what Adam and Jeremiah will be doing over the next several weeks. <laughs> Following the transfer portal, it officially opens for undergrads on December 4th, I believe. It is open 24-7, like 7-Eleven, for grad transfers. That's why you see um, people that are graduating getting out. They will keep you up to date with all the latest news there. All the incoming, whenever that becomes official. If you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, you see a lot of the scoop that's going on there. Uh, there's basketball games to cover. They covered Hubert Davis and Harrison Ingram today. Go check out that stuff. Harrison Ingram, great interview. If, if you ever thought about why you should get involved um, supporting, whether it's the Rams Club or NIL and all that stuff, Harrison Ingram's one of those guys that does that. He is a... He, he's just a class young man. One of those, what do, what do people always say? I would allow him, I'd be okay with my daughter dating <laughs> that young man. I don't have daughters, but I probably would. He's just a cool dude, and he's a joy to listen to, as they are most of North Carolina's players. Love his fat life. <laughs> just joined what premium. What, Shout out. I, I just, uh, I didn't know if I should say it, but it's on the board. Join premium on Monday. Let me tell you something. It is well worth the $10 you spend. Or if you got the deal, I think there's 75% off deal or was. It's well worth it. Jason's work. Sherelle's work. Buck's columns. I hear Buck's got a doozy for tomorrow, folks. Adam, Jeremiah, intern Evan, John Bowman doing his YouTube thing, Joey, Joel Berry, Vip, everybody. Just a crazy, crazy time at Inside Carolina. And it's always a time to be a part of it. Anything I want to give you need uh, to know? one more shout out as well. Jeremiah has been doing an awesome job covering the women's basketball team this year. Yep. Uh, they have a big game this Thursday against South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Jeremiah's coverage with the weekly Appreciate notebooks and uh, keep an eye out for that game as well. Yeah, and you got Tennessee in the Dean Dome on two on Wednesday night, and then South Carolina comes to Carmichael. Is that Thursday yeah. night? Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Jeez, that's going to be a heck of a matchup there. So Get if your you're, popcorn ready. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, Jeremiah will have that on locks as we're all, all of inside Carolina. And there's some baseball coverage thrown in there. Shout out to Grace Nugent that has been helping us with that as well. Anything left before we get out of here? It's the longest on the beat ever. <laughs> got all the ad reads in we talked about football we talked about basketball anything we missed jeremiah you good think so think so adam good i'll shut up for now there's a bunch of questions in the chat i could get to but we'd be here for two hours so maybe, uh, we'll, have, maybe we'll maybe we'll get to them next week yeah drop our chat drop your questions to us in the chat or on the message boards we're gonna have a uh we're gonna have a, a question and answer session only for Inside Carolina folks. So drop those questions. If there's a rumor, Inside Carolina reports the facts. Um, if you want to read about any rumors, I'm sure they're on the message boards. Anything factual will come from the staff. Everybody be good, be safe, and uh, 
go grab somebody and hug somebody. We all need some love. <laughs> it was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.